0: Welcome to Energy Transitions, a podcast brought to you by Enlit Europe and Friends. In this series, we will spotlight the people and projects driving change and innovation in Europe's energy sector. You can download this and all other episodes on enlit-europe.com/podcasts. Now, let's start today's conversation. Hello, everyone. I am looking forward to to this interview with uh, Sylvia Brokers, who is here with us. Hello, Sylvia. Hello, good afternoon. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for joining. I am Florence Coulet, Content Director for Enlit Europe. Sylvia, you focus on how sustainability transition processes impact and are impacted by people, addressing the political, institutional, social, and societal dimension of these processes. You are partner and researcher at DuneWorks in the Netherlands. Energy efficiency and citizen engagement in relation to the energy transition are at the core of your work, really. And you will tell us more about this in the course of this interview, of course. So I had just a couple of questions for you. I will dive right in. Um, So Sylvia, when you hear the
1: phrase empowered energy consumer, what does it mean to you? Well, an empowered energy consumer is uh, a consumer or an end user who is able and capable to understand and act upon what is happening as part of the energy transition. So this means that rather than taking energy for granted, she or he is able to make choices and to participate in accordance with his or her needs and interests. And these needs, they can vary. There are as many users as there are households or even more because even within households people have different needs and interests. So an energy energy consumer that is empowered could be, for instance, a middle-aged lady with limited resources, but who is still able to participate in an energy cooperative because others support her in doing so. Or it could be a tenant whose apartment is timely and properly renovated by the landlord and who can continue to live there because the increase in rent is not such that he's forced to move. So an empowered consumer is a consumer who is able uh, to access basic energy services that are needed for daily life, but who also gets to make choices on top of that. For instance, the choice to participate in what we call the energy transition. So it's someone who's enabled or supported so that the choices are made based on proper insight in the options, benefits, and risks. Thank you, Sylvia. Uh,
0: My second question is, uh, one particularly interesting development um, in this consumer sector, if I can call it like this, is the energy community as a collective of consumers. How important will they be in helping Europe become a carbon-neutral continent by 2050?
1: Well, I cannot look into the future, of course, but what we now see in various EU countries is this rise in energy cooperatives, as well as other citizen initiatives that are active in energy. And there are several EU directives that propose definitions of energy communities. These definitions are not fully clear cut, but they all point towards an understanding of energy communities whereby different values can be important, economic, ecologic, social values. In other words, central to the idea of what energy communities are, is that they are not aimed at only commercial value creation, but also at the generation of other values. So they can aim for decarbonization, as well as other local environmental, social and socioeconomic values. And considering this, I think there's certainly huge potential for energy communities to play a significant role in the decarbonization of the energy systems in Europe.
0: Thank you. Um, Looking at peer-to-peer energy communities, uh, which is now a reality, um, trading energy amongst each other, different game theoretic approaches have been used to look into energy trading amongst people. Um, But where are we with this overall on peer-to-peer energy trading now, according to you? in terms of user organizational
1: and market readiness? Uh, Yes, well, peer-to-peer energy trading involving energy communities is not yet a widespread reality. eh? We have some examples, for instance, in the Netherlands, but those were mainly possible because uh, at that time there was a sandbox, an experimental arrangement in place, and this sandbox no longer exists, nor do the exemptions exist that they provided so um, the current system is not yet catering for energy communities to take up a strong role in peer-to-peer energy trading easily but this is of course changing as the uh, as the european directives are going to be transposed in uh, national legislation and um, well i'm not familiar with game theoretical approaches that you refer refer to but i think that the potential of peer-to-peer energy communities strongly relates to the extent to which they can create value for their community and for society at large. So for these energy communities, that is their goal. And then hopefully peer to peer can be one of several ways to achieve that. And for one project that we're involved in, the Energy to Peers project, we have now developed a conceptual version of a peer to peer readiness framework and this framework is intended to support communities to assess how ready they are for peer-to-peer energy exchange. And in this framework, we distinguish between five dimensions of readiness. And the first one is user readiness, whereby we look at knowledge, awareness, values and goals, and willingness and ability to participate in peer-to-peer. A second dimension is organizational readiness, where we look at organizational structure that's needed skills, competences, resources, collaborative networks that are necessary to be able to participate successfully in peer-to-peer. The third and the fourth dimension are about institutional and market readiness. And that's very much about rights and possibilities to become uh, engaged in peer-to-peer energy trading. So we talk about producing, storing, setting contracts, exchanging energy. Uh, accessing suitable markets, etc. So, what is possible and what is needed for energy communities uh, for a particular peer to peer setup? And then the fifth readiness dimension is uh, the already familiar dimension uh, in, uh, in, uh, in terms of technological and infrastructural readiness. So, these are five uh, readiness dimensions with indicators and sub indicators, and they are currently being tested. In our pilots in Spain, Italy, the Netherlands, and Slovenia. Wonderful.
0: Well, I would love to uh, maybe also do perhaps some follow up with you on, on those pilots and projects uh, more specifically. A um, uh, last question I have for you, Sylvia, is, um, is a bit broad, but uh, here it goes. What is a just transition, according to you?
1: Um, I hinted already a bit at this in the beginning when you asked me what an empowered consumer means to me. Um, So when we consider what a just transition is, I think we should think not only in terms of consumers, but in terms of end users, in terms of people actually. For instance, it's also not consumers who wish to have access to clean drinking water but people. And the same goes for energy. So we should not look at energy as a commodity only, but as a basic right. And then a just transition would then be a transition in which people can participate and whereby they are offered the support to do so. So a just transition is such that it does not increase the digital divide or other forms of equality that are already persistent, but that it contributes to decreasing these, for instance, When you live in a very energy inefficient home, when your landlord refuses to renovate, if you have old appliances that use a lot of electricity, when you have no social network to rely on, no peers that offer good advice and support, no money to invest, no relevant knowledge at your disposal, no digital skills, then how is, for instance, digitalization going to help you? Current digital solutions in the energy market that are being developed should start at looking how we can engage those that are in a vulnerable situation. If our new digital energy platforms cannot also cater for those households right from the outset, then we can be fairly certain that they won't cater for those later on. Mm. There's no such thing as a trickle down effect. And I think that is something we should be very aware of uh, in, in pilots that develop uh, new solutions that include uh, energy platforms, for instance.
0: Thank you very much, Sylvia. Um, all very right points. And um, we all hope that uh, um, that this will be taken into account, of course, in this fair transition. Thank you so much for taking the time for this uh, short interview. And, uh, and I'm sure we'll see you again further on at in, End uh, in Europe. Uh, Thank you. And take care. Bye. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye bye. You've been listening to Energy Transitions, a podcast brought to you by Enlit Europe and Friends. You can listen again and hear all other episodes on enlit-europe.com/podcasts, and don't forget to catch up on our other great digital content on our 365 platform, enlit-europe.com.